Welcome to a new episode of Let's Talk Dyslexia podcast series for Dyslexia Scotland. My name is David Thompson and this episode I'm interviewing TV producer and author Finn Arthur. Just before he retired, Finn found out he was dyslexic. In this episode, we'll discuss with Finn what it's like to be dyslexic in later life. Finn will also discuss in this episode how he's coped with dealing with certain situations in his day-to-day life. Some of you who are listening might find it interesting or might take comfort in his experience of being dyslexic in later life, which is all part of making Scotland more dyslexic-friendly country. I will let you introduce you to Finn and he'll tell us about his story. My name's uh, Vincent Arthie, but everyone calls me Vin. have done since I was a child. Um, I was born and brought up in Ipswich in England, in East Anglia, Um, became a teacher, went into teacher training to train teachers, Um, but I'd always been interested in broadcasting and comedy, so I used to write comedy scripts and so on, Um, and eventually went into becoming a television producer, and that was when I was based in the northeast of England and I was a TV producer. But then the 1990 Margaret Thatcher Broadcasting Act really had a significant effect on um, uh, television production, uh, independent television production. And uh, I went back into education, teaching um, film production, television production, that sort of thing. Now, I'd done quite well as as a TV producer, become an executive producer, which meant I had an office, I had a secretary and so on and so forth. And during the 1980s and 90s, when computers were introduced, um, I wasn't taught how to use them. I I mean, I I gave dictation to my PA and my secretary. But when I went into teaching, I found I had to be able to handle the computer. And it was a problem. I, um, I was completely baffled. I couldn't do it. Uh, going back, I had seemed to have had an okay time at school, um, but now I was dealing with new stuff, and it was a real problem. For an example, um, when one got, an, I got a group of students, and I had to prepare a register, which meant on the computer I had to draw up a, a template, uh, a form, and I couldn't do it. I was making mistakes, and uh, things that my colleagues were doing in five or ten minutes. I wasn't completing in half a day and and to cut a long story short um, it didn't do I started to get depressed I went on a medication and that sort of thing and then something interesting happened the the student disability representative one day said to me do you think you might be dyslexic so I said I don't think so she said um, well you you ought to think about getting uh, tested so I looked into it, it was going to cost me £350, and by this time I was getting towards the end of my career and looking forward to a pension, so I said, I'll leave that. But then she rushed in, she said, look, you're doing one of our courses. Um, you've, uh, uh, you're a student, you're a student of ours, you can get it done through the university, it won't cost you anything. So uh, I went through the system and it was you know, I guess uh, the checklist, a group of students answering questions, and then a one plus one with a psychologist 
educational psychologist. And so there are all these tests which uh, people will know about. Um, a series of pictures you had to put into a story, uh, a series of um, two-dimensional shapes that you had to put into shape, a series of three-dimensional shapes, um, questions, mental arithmetic questions, spelling questions, writing questions. On the mental arithmetic, uh, I got really stressed. I think I haven't felt like this since I was eight years old. Um, very stressful. Anyway, it was all completed and the psychologist said, fine, go get, get yourself a cup of tea, come back in half an hour. So I went back and she looked me in the eye and she said, you're a dyslexic thinker. And my first reaction was, it explains so much. And she said, ah, there's always a reaction. She said, sometimes they get really angry. Uh, sometimes they burst into tears, but there's always a reaction. And I said, but um, I can't be dyslexic. I said, because um, I'm a published author. Um, I've got a PhD, I've got my PhD. I've, I've written a book. I've written articles. I've written comedy scripts. And she said, ah, remember, that dyslexia is not a reading problem. It's a working memory problem. And then she said, but you do have a reading and writing problem. You read and write at half the national average speed. And I thought, so that's how I do it. And I can remember, um, but this, this was in, I was in my very early sixties looking forward to retirement. Um, and I can remember my mother saying when I was an adult, uh, oh, you learned to read quite quickly. So the learning to read, the schooling wasn't a problem, but uh, dealing with it in my, well into my adulthood was a problem. So that's the background to my dyslexia. Thank you very much for that, Fred. As somebody who asked for a day, uh, you were dyslexic in your later life. You said to yourself you were in your early 60s when you found out. What was your experience of finding out um, and maybe some of the emotions behind finding out you were dyslexic in your uh, later life? You probably touched on some of it there uh, when you suddenly found out that explains quite a lot, but it's just what, what would be your personal experience of finding out you were dyslexic in later life? Who? Um... I think it was various things to start with. Um, the first thing was that, um, as I said uh, a wee while ago, uh, I was approaching the end of my career. Something that had always been a problem for me when I was teaching, both before I went into television production, but particularly when I came it back into higher education teaching, was marking students' essays. I had a huge amount to read and um, I found it very, very demanding. Finding out I was dyslexic and discovering that I read, uh, I read and wrote very slowly suddenly made sense to me. The problem then emerged was, how do I deal with that as a university teacher? Um, you know, I couldn't do half the work that my colleagues did. Uh, and to be honest with you there, I suspect, you know, what, what's an employer going to do? This guy's coming to the end of his career. Why should we put a lot of resources into um, 
helping him. Did I discriminate again subconsciously? Did I discriminate against the students because really the term dyslexia was coming into use in higher education, and um, dyslexic students had special needs, um, got extra time um, support for extra time for essays and examinations. There was a support, and I wondered if in the past. I hadn't been as helpful to, to dyslexic students as I might have been, subconsciously thinking, well, I can do it, why can't you? Um, so that was stressful. So particularly those two things at that point. When I retired, other things began to um, uh, happen. And, uh, uh, and I started to work for, notice other things. For example, when you're working in a place of employment, you've got colleagues. You can talk to colleagues. You work out who's going to be helpful to you, um, who's going to be do particularly good in a, in, in a team. And you can share work um, and solve problems with others. When you're on your own, you can't do that. And uh, so, for example, uh, increasingly, like I retired in my um, mid-60s, I'm now in my mid-70s, 10 years on. Um, and so things change. Uh, but what I have discovered is there are fewer and fewer people you're able to talk to, partly because you're on your own as a retired person, but also the systems. So time and time again, if I have a problem with my bank account or with my insurance or getting something done to the house. I'll phone up, I'll get an answer machine and the answer machine will say something like, look on our website, check this online. Now, for me, learning to read as a child, it was black print on white paper. It sort of st started at the top left-hand corner and I learned to do it. Now, going on to a website, it's in different colours, it's all over the place. And you don't necessarily start at the top left hand, what you want. And you, um, so all of that uh, goes on uh, at the same, uh, that's incredibly difficult to deal with. Um, I find that particularly stressful. Do you think that as a, an older person, do you think that there's no real support to be put a place for an older person? than somebody who would be younger when they found out that they were dyslexic, whether it be at school or maybe at university, where they could get the support and put that in place for you, Wayne, uh, to help you out in your maybe day-to-day -day life? I think there needs to be more research done on this sort of thing. Um, for example, it's it's absolutely clear, although, although it's certainly not perfect, and it's certainly not um, part of um, requirements uh, in the Scottish system, that all children are assessed for their learning needs when they start school. And I think that's where it begins. If we could, I mean, when you think of the millions of pounds that are spent on testing children in schools and compare that with the amount of money that's spent on working out what helps individual children learn best, uh, the two figures don't, uh, and the two philosophies don't bear comparison. So I think things are changing and certainly Awareness of neurodiversity, awareness of dyslexia, um, 
is becoming um, more noticeable in society generally. But for people, say, in their 40s, perhaps, 50s, perhaps, certainly 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, people are living longer, people likely to have been assessed for learning needs or dyslexia at school and may not even know. Now, I think there's a huge amount of research to have been done, to be done in that respect. How we actually deal with that problem, you can't send every 90-year-old back to school or give every 90-year-old a tutor, but I think there are certain things that can be done. Um, for example, I do think that uh, society in general should be aware of individuals' needs. So, for example, if I phone up my bank or insurance company or whoever with a particular problem because I can't or I find immense difficulty in working out or finding out the information I need or doing what I need on screen, um, a response, uh, something on the telephone. And I do, I, I do say, now, um, when I do speak to a person, I say, I'm in my mid-70s and I am dyslexic. I have particular difficulties here. Um, and it's, I hope one of the things I'm doing is making people more aware of dyslexia per se and the needs of dyslexics, dyslexics uh, uh, too. Do you think that when you made contact with the bank about a personal issue and you made them aware that you were dyslexic, did that actually help you when you're solving the problem and issue you're dealing with? Um, it depends. When I... Uh, I'll give you a specific example. Um, we're talking... Really, when I'd retired, so I was in my 60s, and I, I got a, um, a computer and a printer, and I couldn't get the printer to work. I phoned up the printer company and explained my problem. And um, the conversation went on for something like 40 minutes. I'd explained that I was dyslexic um, and that I had difficulties with setting all of this system up. Um, and eventually I was cut off. The person, the, the advisor I was speaking. Now, I made a complaint to the, um, uh, the company. That was what, 10 years ago. I've had similar experiences since then. And I found that, I, well, I've never been cut off again. And I have found people being more patient and prepared to give me time. Now, Sometimes you might have to wait 30 or 40 minutes to get to that person. Um, so that, but I do think that if you, if you make yourself clear and explain, uh, then my, my personal recent experience has been that it's worked better, but it does take time. What sort of support would you like to see in place to help those older people who are in their 40s, 50s and older who are dyslexic? Well, um, some of those individuals may not know and may never know because if they've never been assessed, um, who, who is to know? 
Um, I think, um, and, and and again, there is another issue, and that is giving oneself and giving other people labels. Um, th there are all sorts of difficulties around that. But thinking back, and I think yours is a difficult question with a series of difficult answers uh, and no complete answer. But uh, my experience of um, going into retirement was um, uh, preparation by the, the company I was working for, the university, um, was financial advice. You know, um, as you were moving towards uh, um, retirement, did you want to make voluntary um, extra voluntary contributions towards your pension, for example? And then when you retired, giving you financial advice. So that was, but for the dyslexic or for being alone, being lonely, how do you deal with, how do you, advice in those sorts of areas uh, could be of help. So I think more broadly, employers preparing individuals for, um, uh, for, for retirement beyond financial concerns. And I think one has to say that Dyslexia Scotland uh, is very good in making its adult members or making adult dyslexics in Scotland aware of the sorts of organisations um, that can give, like in my case, support for working with computers, working, um, with, working online. Now, in my case, I haven't followed that because it's difficult to commit to, say, going to a class two or three hours a week or, 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 or doing that. But I think there's the beginning of an awareness that it's needed. And education is, should be lifelong. Um, and I think ways of, of approaching dyslexics or, or people who have particular needs associated with dyslexia that they may not be aware of um, are being served properly. Just before I add to forward to what you just said about like, help and support that you've been given, has there been any other support that maybe, like I said, Dyslexia Scotland has given you as a, maybe as an older person um, to deal with you being dyslexic or any other organisations of actually helping help you out in terms of being dyslexic and trying Device any sort of coping mechanisms to deal with being a dyslexic person. So, the support that Dyslexia Scotland has given me uh, as an adult dyslexic, yes, go, going back to that. Mm -hmm. uh, certainly, when um, I moved into Scotland um, 11, 12 years ago, uh, I made contact with Dyslexia Scotland very early on uh, because I wanted to be supportive. I think you might have missed me saying that um, a term I've used in the past, I'm a born again dyslexic. I like to talk about it and, uh, and help people. Uh, so I made contact with Dyslexia Scotland and Dyslexia Scotland's adult network has been um, a real boon. There has been practical help or avenues for practical help when I needed it. But the main thing is to be reassured that one is not on one's own to meet with other dyslexics. 
Uh, I, now I know it's been difficult during the um, the COVID pandemic and the lockdowns and 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 that, but actually meeting fellow dyslexics um, and being mutually supportive, I found the biggest benefit by by far. I could give you lots and lots of examples, um, I, and without mentioning names, go, going to a writer. I mean, a writer. I write. Um, going to a writer's meeting and meeting someone there and just chatting and the guy saying, well, um, I, I'm not really a writer, I just come along with my wife, I'm dyslexic. And I say, I'm dyslexic. Uh, and then we get talking and, um, uh, you know, a bit reassuring another dyslexic that it's okay. Uh, and one day, festival time when we first came to Scotland um, we, we let a room to um, the young dancer and she walked through our living room and she saw a copy of an open copy of Dyslexia Scotland's Dyslexia Voice and she said oh I can read it and I said what do you mean she said I'm dyslexic but this is so easy to read um, because of the, of, of the print format so you're dyslexic I'm dyslexic that's why I've got this magazine here. So I found meeting with other dyslexics um, and just being supportive is, is, is by far and away um, the most beneficial, the most important thing. Who, no one ever said life was going to be easy. You know? uh, yeah. so, so ways of being supportive um, above and beyond the, the practical details, I think is, is so important. You found out you were dyslexic um, while you're down south in England. Did you get support from your colleagues down in, in England with the British Dyslexia Association who covers England? Have you got support from them? And uh, what kind of support did you get? Well, yes. Um, I was just thinking back because it's a it's a while ago now. Going to conferences, um, going to meetings, meeting other dyslexics that was important. Um, but of course, dyslexia Scot uh, the British Dyslexia Association um, was based um, about 400 miles away from where I was living. Uh, in Dyslexia Scotland, with, in Scotland, um, Scotland's a smaller country. Well, I suppose uh, in, in terms of population and geographically, it's, it's, it's pretty big. But um, I did find that I felt physically closer to other dyslexics but the bigger um, the bigger concern is of course what my employer could do employer support and being realistic crikey I mean I was in I was in management and you know the sorts of things that managements have got to think about and one of the things they're going to think about is how much money can we put into this guy who's four years off retirement you know, um, so I was aware of that. Now I did, so one of the things that uh, was suggested for me was a particular sort of uh, employment um, proposal, uh, which simply wouldn't have worked with the work that I was required to do. Um, it, it would have meant that my colleagues would have had to have done the, Every, every single, every other single member of my department would have had to have worked differently to accommodate me. 
uh, and and that that wouldn't have happened. I was given um, a counsellor, and she was really very very good indeed. But her partner got a job in the Middle East about six months after it started, and she wasn't replaced. I mean, a she wasn't replaced, and there was no replacement as a personal support for me. But by then, I was barely twelve months off retirement. So back to the first, uh, the first thing: how much, how many of our resources can we put into this? Did you develop any coping mechanisms while you were at university, when you do your teaching, when you found out you're dyslexic, and maybe anything you thought subconsciously you were doing with when you were before you found out dyslexic, any sort of coping mechanism you were doing when or through your career and. That's a very good question. Um, looking back, um, I always see the big picture, and that's probably coming over in the answers I'm giving to you now. Um, seeing the big picture, I'm aware now that that is something that dyslexics bring to the table the ability to see the big picture problem solving. Um, dyslexics look at problems in different ways and um, I should say that my particular um, interest over the last uh, ooh, 30 years has been espionage. My writing has been about spies, not fiction but non-fiction research, meeting with um, espionage specialists and writing about that and um, GCHQ, in my regard, in my opinion, the most important of the um, United Kingdom intelligence agencies, goes out of its way to ensure that it employs neurodiverse um, people, as well as modal thinkers, autistic people, dyslexic thinkers, because dyslexics look at problems in different ways. And I certainly found that when I was researching espionage. Um, asking different questions, um, approaching different people, approaching them in different ways. That's so um, being able to see the big picture, problem solving, tenacity, and again, through my research, um, and again, you find that dyslexic people are tenacious. I found that in my research. I would not take no for an answer. If a door was closed in my face, I would look for a window or another door to get through. So being tenacious. In management, you have to understand people and work things out. And that means dyslexic people are good team builders and good and operate well in teams. So uh, in a team, I'm looking, and in, in making a team, I'm looking for not, oh, someone once said, uh, if you're, um, if you're employing people, always employ people better than yourself. Uh, and as, 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 as a dyslexic, I'm, I'm thinking, always work with people different from yourself, because the more different people you've got in a team, they work uh, working uh, better together. So I think uh, looking back over my life, I've always done that, always, but I've only been aware that I'm dyslexic for about, what, a dozen years. What was the main positive thing that you took out when you found out you were dyslexic? Well, the positive thing is, uh, going back to my first reaction, 
it makes sense. It makes sense. I'm very uneasy about people who talk about the gift of dyslexia. I think people, I think every individual, whoever they are or whatever they are, should be proud of themselves and be aware that they've got something to give that no one else in the world has got to give. Um, we've all got things to deal with. Um, so I, I try not to be, I try not to be pompous about it. I do talk about it. Um, I do encourage people to think about it. Um, I really try hard because it's, it can be dangerous to, you know, oh, pity me, I've got a problem, I need your help. No, no way, you know. Um, I'll, uh, um, I'll, I'll say, I need to take this very slowly, or can you repeat that? Or I'm dyslexic and I have a particular problem with this. Um, but um, never apologize, never seek anyone's pity. Um, be strong. You discussed in the podcast at various stages that you know a published author and your specialities in espionage. And um, I think you've got a book that's going to come out about the KGB agent. Uh, you might correct me on this, uh, Ralph Abel. And well, maybe discuss more about that then. Oh my goodness me. My, my published work was uh, the biography of the, um, uh, the Soviet KGB officer, the, who the world knows as Rudolf Ivanovich Abel. And I've, uh, my, main, my work has been three different versions of that biography. So going back to what I was saying earlier about when, um, uh, when I was assessed for dyslexia and so, but I haven't got a reading and writing problem. I'm a, I'm a published author. So the, um, the book will be published in hardback then. Um, it's out of print now. Over the last 10 years, I was um, reviewing espionage and Cold War books for the Scotsman newspaper. But since, um, since the invasion of Ukraine, I've decided to stop doing that sort of work. Uh, I, I can't do, I can't work at it. You hear the hesitation because it's difficult. <laughs> Uh, situation for me. I can't work in the way that I was doing. So um, I'm doing other sorts of work. Now I'm working on a memoir and my dyslexia will be part of that part of that memoir. And I'm working on some, I've got some ideas going for some other types of writing as well. Uh, but um, yes, I suppose I'm best known for um, the biography of, of the Soviet spy. And I'm, I still give talks about that. I've got one coming up in Dalkeith in December, for example. And um, I'm doing some work with an organisation in Newcastle-upon-Tyne in the northeast of England um, about that as well. You've just heard Fenn discussing his publishing career and some of the projects that he's currently doing. You've come to the end of the podcast interview that I've done with Finn Arthur. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank Finn for giving up his time to record the podcast. We have come to the end of this current series of Let's Talk Dyslexia for Dyslexia Scotland. For information about the Let's Talk Dyslexia podcast series, please check out our website at www.dyslexiascotland.org.uk or you can check out our Facebook page at www.facebook.com 
forward slash Dyslexia Scotland or a Twitter page at Dyslexia Scotland. If you enjoyed this podcast, then say thanks by becoming a member of Dyslexia Scotland for as little as £10 per year. Members help us to keep working for a dyslexia friendly Scotland and you'll get a whole heap of benefits for joining. Show your support for our work by visiting www.dyslexiascotland.org.uk forward slash shop.